on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in to another edition of Own the Beat Live. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Inside Carolina's premier beat writer live podcast and certainly premier sponsor in Johnny T-Shirt. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, Adam Smith, Jeremiah Holloway, and John Bowman. This is the last regularly, listen now, we use words carefully on these shows, last (laughs) regularly scheduled podcast for On The Beat Live until probably, I guess, Operation Football in late July. We'll get back into it at some point when these fellas go there and cover that. Adam, what's going on, man? I think you – were you working today? I I could have sworn I saw some news that you ran across my screen. No, not much. It's pretty slow over here today. Um, (laughs) The last couple of – I mean, what in the world? Like, Don Chapman's out of the portal. You know, like – there goes J.Q. Conley and Marcus Page and so on and so on. Um, it is, it's we got crazy. Jeremiah getting ready for the NFL draft. You know, oh, by the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like yeah. God, Jeremiah is working on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I may not have on any pants under here under beneath the screen. It's been such a fire drill that's going on. I mean, my head's been spinning a little bit. I'll, I'm going to stop whining. Yeah, stuck to whining. You're 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 employed. You have a job. Right, Uh, right. That's true. Very but you feel very fortunate with that. Yeah, and one thing Don Callahan had on today, and if it wasn't so hot up here in my way up slash man cave, I'd have it on. A sweatshirt that says there is no off season. There simply is not. Look at there. We got sponsor in the in chat already. Parroting my words there, but there is no off season at Inside Carolina. You mentioned Don Mm -hmm. Chapman. You know, it reminds me of the uh, the Homer Simpson <laughs> meme, you know, where he walks in and takes his hat off and turns around, picks his hat up, and walks right back out. He is back at North Carolina. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss NFL draft. It's coming up Thursday night, tomorrow night, round one, um, where we think – we'll take a shot at where we think Josh Downs may wind up. And then, of course, what we're going to lead with, and we talked about it a little off air, um, but it's certainly the talk of the news – of the Inside Carolina and the news and the message boards. And I'm going to get you back in here, Adam, and then I'm going to let you rest because Jeremiah and John and I are going to talk. But tell me a little bit about uh, Mr. Marcus Page returning to North Carolina's coaching staff. It feels like a big deal, doesn't it? Um, It does. You know, we're all getting older. (laughs) Marcus Page is going to be 30 in September. I knew you were going to say that. I was like, that threw me off when you put that in there. I had to put it in the story. You know what I mean? Like when you, I don't know, the the old newspaper man in me is always like, okay, how old is this person? And I went and looked and I was like, damn, like, good Lord. But 
Um, to his credit, he does not look a day over his senior year at Carolina. I mean, he's one of these many that will always be young to me, you know, young <laughs> and flinging up left-handed. How about the little, obviously the shot against Nova, but I will never forget the little left-handed scooper that kissed so high off the glass at NC State. What was it over TJ Warren, maybe? Yeah, um, in an epic game. Just simply. Oh my epic god. He had like 35 that night, maybe. And I think that got it to overtime. Uh, yeah. and then they won it over. And that that thing was impossible. Had as high arcing as it was, it, it oh just it just had to just delicately kiss the glass to get in there. But yeah, I mean, this is something that the Marcus Page news that <laughs> we went after pretty hard today. <laughs> and um it's kind of bizarre. Uh, since this is on the beat live to, to like start writing these things um, when you've covered them, you know, and like now they're becoming, I mean, he's not technically a coach on the floor, but now he's, he's transitioning from, you know, former UNC great seven year pro overseas. Well, some of it in the D league to, uh, to another phase of his life. And you're sort of trying to put it together. Like, I hate to use this word, but, you know, almost like – well, I shouldn't say it. I was going to say obituary. But, not, you know, you're trying to encapsulate what they've done mm-hmm. uh, and also give the context to it. But, you know, this – we're not sure. Let's – let's. if you all read the story, I tried to make it clear that we're not entirely sure if that will be Jackie Manuel's – if he'll be replacing Jackie Manuel in the director of player development role – or if he will be in a, another kind of role that is similar to that. He very well could be replacing Jackie. I mean, the opening is there because Jackie is going to American to, to be an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not entirely sure. But, you know, if he's, if he's in that role that Jackie has been for the last two years, director of what, – what is the title? Director of Team and Player Development, I think. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be great. I think he's going to be perfect in it. I, I know this is a very popular move for UNC fans. One of the one of the favorite sons of the Tar Heels. He absolutely is. And you know, you said the obit word, but it's like turning the page. Using you know what we've always talked about with Marcus Page. I mean, he whatever he does involved with North Carolina basketball, he will improve it. He. He will personally benefit from it to get that experience, but he will bring something to the staff um, that I think is needed and that I think um, a new perspective. And, man, he was just such a good interview back when he was oh. at school. And, uh, you know, just a, everybody's favorite Tar Heel. I'd wager that he might be not be the most liked, but I bet you if you made a list of one through ten, you would not find – Anybody that was any more favored by Carolina fans than Marcus Page. Jeremiah, when you heard the news of this, and and I was trying to think, wait a minute, if Marcus Page is 30, how old was Jeremiah when he played? Now I'm really dating myself, and we're all going to feel old. What did you think (laughs) when you heard Marcus Page is now on staff in some role to be determined at North Carolina? It did feel like a, a little bit of a full circle moment. I did grow up watching uh, Marcus Page. Uh, I guess, have mercy on y'all, I'm not going to say how old I was when I was watching him, <laughs> but I did watch him when I was growing up. Um, you know, it's it's, some, it's one of those roles where, you know, as kind of Adam said, maybe it's not a technical, you know, 
as you know visibly like on court you know middle of the game role i guess it's a little bit more behind the scenes should that be the role he kind of takes up but um you know i think it would, it would be i think a role like that you do kind of want someone that does have a little bit of familiarity with uh you know i guess kind of being around I know Hubert wasn't the coach, like the head coach, but, you know, he's, he's been around kind of that program, has a familiar with, you know, how things kind of are done. I think that's kind of a common thing that UNC has been trying to keep up, you know, kind of trying to have some continuity from, you know, uh, coach to coach or whatever the case may be and in, in, in things of that nature. So uh, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, you know, if that is the role that he takes on, uh, I could definitely see that being uh, a good fit for them for sure. And, you know, it, if nothing else, it's one of those things where it's like, I think some people are, you know, kind of what's Marcus Page kind of up to? You know, he's playing, you know, he's trying to keep, you know, continue to be overseas. But, you know, it's, it's not like a thing where you see him every day. So I think, you know, getting him back into the, uh, I guess, local spotlight, uh, you know, I think that's something that I found interesting. You know, it was like, hey, like Marcus Page, that's, you know, blast from the past a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, when uh... you were searching for was young. He brings youth to the state. And, <laughs> he did uh, that too, yeah, yeah. And he and he does do that, and and it keeps sort of the, um, you know, the continuity with the with the the in crowd, the younger crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a big deal these days. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Sorry to cut you. You know, when Roy Williams retired, there was a lot of discussion amongst the fan base. I don't know how much this was discussed in the athletic director's office about whether to keep the position within the Carolina family or to go outside the Carolina family to find the next leader of the Carolina basketball program. Obviously, Hubert Davis, a huge move towards the Carolina family. I feel like this is an underline, bold, italic, every, you know, circling Carolina family. There's no one who represents the Carolina family more than Marcus Page. So I think that that is an intentional choice to bring him back within the fold. Uh, You know, I think that that's just sort of who, who Hubert Davis is. He's always going to be kind of looking out for the Carolina family, and, and I think it's a good addition to the staff to bring Marcus Page back. Yeah, and Adam, Hubert Davis says he wants guys to work for him that played and are part of the Carolina family. He ain't lying. Uh, I mean, he's done it from top to bottom, and now he adds Page. Your overall thoughts on on, on this move, but also – this off season for North Carolina basketball. I mean, it's been hectic, um, <laughs> you know, and your thoughts on, you know, we don't really talk recruiting or, or whatever. We talk more team stuff, but they've added four guys in the portal. Your thoughts, overall thoughts there um, on top of this Marcus Page news. First of all, John or Tommy has pinned a George Jenkins comment. My guy, George Jenkins That is my guy. Never met him. Don't know what he looks like. Love him. Um, you know what? Like uh, what? Like real pretty, real pretty girls have the reply guys on uh, Instagram or whatever. George Jenkins is my reply guy. You know. I hope you're okay oh. with that. George. Uh, anyway, um, Tommy, I can't even remember what you asked, but it was something it was about recruiting. I was gonna say as you were giving the nice lead in there. Um, you know what has occurred to me as we've read Sherelle McMillan's incredible reporting. Um, uh, you know, with, with the transfer additions and, and just everything since the, the, the night that they were left out of the NCAA tournament is it is very clear that Hubert Davis's message, at least right now, I don't know if it's been this way in the past, but at least right now is if you come to UNC, one of the things that we got going for us is you're going to be coached by a point guard who played in the NBA, 
a wing who played in the NBA and a big who played in the NBA in Jeff Lebo, Hubert Davis, and Sean May. You know, you read you read Sherrill's, um, you know, inside the commitment on Harrison Ingram, who who they got this past weekend, and he, you know, he sang that to Sherrill. So it's almost like you can hear the Hubert Davis pitch, you know, right there as Harrison Ingram is is being quoted by by Sherrill. And yeah, I mean, the way the Marcus Page thing fits in there, I just think it all. I think it's all a good good ball of momentum, you know, if you're Hubert. Um, you know, I I you know, one of the no one will ever forget that Marcus Page shot against Villanova. I was there in Houston. And the one of the things I always remember about Marcus was that senior speech that he gave uh at the Dean Dome that night where he had everyone crying. I'm sure you guys remember that. Roy's over there wiping tears, Marcus is crying. I mean you know, this guy was what a three-time academic All-American. You know, he's got he's going to be successful in, I feel like any role you put him in, and you know, who knows, he could be groomed to be uh, a next member of the coaching staff. You know, um, Jackie coached the JV team this past season, as Hubert Davis did, as Roy Williams did. You know, it would be interesting to see if Marcus takes the the, the JV job, but um. Yeah, what were you saying? The pieces are coming together, I guess, with the basketball roster. Is that what you're getting at? It is certainly, um, given where we were when we did a podcast right after the NIT decision came down, <laughs> um, it's amazing how it circles back. Right, Jeremiah? I mean, you weren't, you weren't in Chapel Hill, so you, yeah. you had a little bit bigger, bigger deal to cover down there in South Carolina. But this, was a, this place was a bad down – Mm-hmm. Uh, moving place. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I mean, I I wasn't here, but I know plenty of, uh, you know, UNC fans, UNC students. I, I know I know what the feeling was like. I, You know, it kind of, even from down in South Carolina, it just kind of, you know, everybody's feelings and things like that, you know, I was able to sense it. Um, yeah, I think, but kind of, I guess, going back to the the point of the, the current roster, it's funny, I was uh, – kind of looking at, you know, some of the different resources that we have here and, you know, just doing my own research too, just kind of trying to see how the pieces would fit next year and, you know, what the, maybe even the depth chart would look like. I was kind of drafting my own little depth chart a little bit earlier just so I could see it. I think when I'm looking at it, they did bring in guys that could either shoot or create their own shot. Um, It's also interesting. I don't know that they have a true between Withers and Ingram, I don't know if they have a true quote unquote stretch for, I think Withers might be a little bit closer to that. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, Hubert's kind of shown he likes the stretch for a little bit. He had Dawson Garcia, Brady Manic, and then he had Pete Nance in that role. So maybe that's what Withers does. I'm not necessarily, I'm not positive. Um, you know, I think they did a good job addressing the wing, uh, the losses at wing, because they that's something they certainly needed. I'm interested to see if they add another point guard while they have the chance. Um, you know, RJ is more of a, you know, he's a scoring guard. He, he's a willing passer, obviously. But, you know, I, do they get somebody else to kind of bring the pressure off? I think Harrison Ingram probably helps with that because uh, he does have a little point forward in him. Um, so I, I'm looking at, you know, some of these pieces. And some of them, they, they make, I mean, they make sense. I think the pieces that they got made sense for RJ and Armando. I think in the modern college basketball world, when you do have so many departures, it does kind of leave your roster in a state of, okay, we only have six players. We're going to build around who's still here. I think that's basically what they did. They basically said, 
you know, who can we get to space the floor out a little bit, create some room for Armando down low, allow RJ to continue to do what he does. Maybe some of those guys that can score it, uh, allow them to, uh, or allows, I guess, RJ to, you know, take pressure off RJ and allows them to kind of uh, get involved in the offense. So um, I think it's either way you cut it, it's going to be a very different UNC team. Uh, I think the things that maybe they tried to do last year, they might be better at from the standpoint of getting guys, um, you know, open for shots. So um, it'll certainly be interesting to see. There's still a long time until that comes, and these guys haven't even played together yet. Uh, but I'm in, I am interested to see, you know, is this actually a better fit? On paper, I think it is, but it'll be interesting to see if they actually fit. And just to add to that, what, what Jeremiah's laying out there is, I was just thinking about as he's saying it, there's two scholarships left for UNC in basketball. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think they do have some nice pieces in place, but I think the question is, well, is Jalen Withers your starting four? I mean, it, it, I think he has to be if, has to be. if, if they're going right now as, as it's currently constructed. Um, and it seems like, or at least I get the sense that, you know, you're holding that last scholarship, uh, for an Elliot Cadeau or the Dunlap kid that they started recruiting very recently. Um, but you got to hold one for Cadeau, I would think. Right. right? And, and nobody's more plugged in on how this stuff fits together than, than our producer, John, you know, who's all over the transfer portal rankings. What have you thought, John, about just the way that Hubert has brought in these guys and how they look, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, Jalen Withers, how they look like they're going to fit together with, you know, Armando and RJ as sort of your linchpins. First of all, I echo what Jeremiah said. I think Hubert Davis has done a great job putting the pieces back together this offseason. The Harrison Ingram recruitment, that was a contested recruitment. There were a lot of people who wanted him, and, and Hubert Davis went out and closed the deal. But to your point, Adam, they're still a piece away, I think, and they have two scholarships left. And you start to look in the transfer portal you kind of see what's left in the transfer portal. Maybe there's not a difference maker there. The difference maker, I think, I think is still Elliot Cadeau. And this is where this is the uh, reckless speculation portion of the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to put on my reckless speculate, speculation hat. It's a tough call because if you say, Elliot Cadeau, come play with us in 2023, you have to kind of see how does that impact some of the other pieces that we have on right. the roster. Does R.J. Davis want to play next to a freshman point guard who might be kind of getting his feet under him in the early parts of the season? How much does R.J. Davis need the ball in his hands? Because as well, in Harrison Ingram's interview that he did with Sherelle, he talked about you know maybe playing point forward, maybe playing that Theo Pinson role with the ball in his hands. So I think... That's the big question for me is, what do you all think? If you add in Elliot Cadeau, how does that impact some of the other pieces on the roster? Is it a good decision to bring Elliot Cadeau in for next season, or is it better to bring him in in 2024? You know, I'll, I'll jump in first. I think I think that's going to – I I know nothing. I just <laughs> listened to podcasts, and I think Elliot Cadeau would certainly be a – a good ad for this team. I don't necessarily think that um, if he came in, that would be it. Because I, if he comes in, you're going to have a log jam in the, in the backcourt. So you might have some more moving pieces there. But I think what they're missing, aside from Cadeau, is some sort of wing, 
a, a uber athletic wing. They don't have that. Harrison Ingram's not that. Jalen Withers might be, but how good is Jalen Withers? His best seasons when he played the five at Louisville his freshman year. Um, he's certainly athletic. Can he be that guy? Perhaps. Um, you know, Cormac Ryan, he's decently athletic guy, but he's not a guy that I would say is the athletic wing we're talking about. And then Paxson Wojcik, I think, is going to be a guy that's got a little bit of what I like in him. You know, he's got a little <laughs> bit of that anger and that edge. We'll call it that. And uh, I, I think he can be effective when he's used. But I still think they need, you know, John, last week, if my memory serves, you said Harrison Ingram was the piece. But now you're saying they still need a piece. I think they need somebody in the 6'5 to 6'7 range mm -hmm. that can play the three, you know, Everybody loved Leaky Black, but let's be honest. Leaky, Leaky Black is not the way you have elite basketball teams anymore. you got to have somebody in that position that can play. The defense was great, sure, but teams will just outscore you one way or another, and I think you've got to have somebody that can score. So I think that position's still there. That position's important for North Carolina not to be a team that just can shoot, right? Because you, then you bump up against a team that's super athletic that's on a roll, like an Alabama was this year, like a Houston can be. And they can lock down your shooters, and then they can put somebody bigger on Baycott, and then their guards are bigger than R.J. Davis and Elliott Cadeau, and you've got trouble. Mm -hmm. So you got to have somebody that can get a bucket. I know people say Shannon or Trey Alexander, and all those names keep popping up. They would fit the role for sure. But I think it's out there that uh, that's what they need. And, and we'll see if that what happens. Like Sherelle says, this is not over. Don't judge the final prod, the final roster until, gosh, it could legitimately be July or August. Yeah, certainly. I wouldn't say that in by any stretch adding Elliot Cadeau would be a bad move, just in the sense that he would get the opportunity to develop under, you know, develop in college, uh, you know, things like that, get some of that playing experience. But there are a few things to consider. One thing that I would think about is he uses a year of eligibility to essentially how much does he play? You know, like how much, you, you know, you're coming in, you're, you're using that first year. Um, and based on the evidence that we've seen, uh, there have not been freshmen don't play a ton under Hubert Davis. You know, that's just kind of what we've um, seen. So even if he did come in, so if he came in early, you know, this season, that's something I would think about. Um, and is it more advantageous? Because next year, I don't know if he'll use it or not, but RJ does technically have a fifth year still. So would RJ be around next year? I'm not really sure, but at least if he was around, uh, you know, next year, that's only one year you'd have to quote unquote play under him versus two. Uh, to to Cadeau's credit, uh, he's a he's got something you really can't teach when it comes to just ability to pass the ball. Uh, he just he knows how to get guys. Turnovers do happen, but he knows how to like really find guys, um, you know, and I think honestly, just as much as a wing scorer, that's something that UNC really could use too. just like getting guys in the right position. I think the last couple of years, other than probably the tournament run, ball movement wasn't something that I think that team was great at. I don't think they, they were great at kind of, you know, getting a fluid offense going. Uh, I think Cadeau could help with that. Um, it would probably take him time to really master an offense. But, yeah, I think that's something he could certainly help with. Um, and then, you know, along with Tommy's point, as far as getting another guy that can re can create their own shot, I think that's definitely fair. You want that. I, I just wonder, 
I don't know if that's the way they want to create their team. Like, it really does still feel to me that they want to, like, get Armando, you know, kind of as involved as he can and then have the other guys, quote unquote, as as bailouts, like, you know, being able to I think Cormac Ryan's a good example of a guy that can kind of get his own shot. Um, But I think outside of that, you know, a lot of it is, you know, who can kind of space the floor and give Armando more room. So it, it really just depends on the team that you're trying to build. So if you're building it around Armando inside, you're going to have more of the roster that you have now. Um, and so, Ty, I mean, there are still some names in that portal, but I don't know if there's any makers or breakers in the portal. If you're a team like UNC that pretty much has the design of your roster kind of already set up right now. So way check. back in the day at Eastern Alamance High School, this would be in the 90s. Um, we used to have this thing. I would, you know, th- there was no such thing as, as advanced data or uh, analytics or anything then, you know, um, like in baseball, too. It was just what your batting average was. You remember that? Um, but uh, the guy who was in charge with us, who I don't have a ton of good things to say about, uh, came up with this, this thing. I'm sure he got it from somewhere else. And it was like it gave you a, your value as a player, it rated you, it rated you from good shots that you take to bad shots. Like if you took a bad shot, he would go through the film, good shot, bad shot, everything, everything you did. But one of the things that it, um, it, that it also tracked was post feeds. And boy, I used to rack up those post feeds. Let me tell you, fake high, (laughs) bounce low, fake low, throw it in. I mean, it was fantastic. Like somehow I was able to game the system with the post feeds um because they i guess that meant you were unselfish or something i don't know all of this is to say i was thinking that you know i the harrison ingram post feeds to armando baycott i think are going to be quite a thing you know if you watch the harrison ingram tape he's whipping all sorts of passes in there to dudes at stanford who didn't make the ncaa tournament and weren't that great you know um i think cormac ryan i'm really interested to see if going to unc and playing with someone who draws so much attention like Armando and someone who I feel like is a better passer. I know the numbers don't bear it out on RJ because I think he just averages like three assists per game for his career. But um, yeah, I feel like RJ really can move it, you know, when it needs to be moved. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I'm interested to see if Cormac Ryan's game sort of frees up in a way, mm-hmm. you know, um, with, the I feel like an upgrade in talent that he'll be playing with. But I always go back to this. It was Hubert said, you know, as the season was winding down and it was looking more and more dire that, you know, there are going to be some hard conversations this offseason and we're going to have to address our deficiencies, which are shooting and athleticism in some spots. And I just don't know to go back to Jalen Withers and, and, and guys like, I, I don't know how athletic they've gotten. Um, someone in the comments said that, you know, bouncy wings don't grow on trees, which is true. But yeah. like, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like if they really want to put together, there you go. Mark Williams nailed it. Um, 100%. I just feel like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know we're getting, you know, <laughs> it's not a perfect world, but I just feel like they could, they need another athletic piece. I think Simeon Wilcher is an athletic player. Don't forget about the, you know, the freshmen that are coming in, Simeon Wilcher and Zayden High. Um, Seth Trimble is certainly very athletic, but the guy's six foot tall. Maybe not even that. Um, so anyway, that's my two cents on that. Uh, to your point, 
bouncy wings don't grow on trees, then why did we watch the NCAA tournament this year without North Carolina in it and see team after team after team that had a 6'6 guy that could bounce? Even Florida Atlantic. <laughs> they had a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, they had like 10 of them. And, of course, we always talk about Houston and teams like that. You just got to find them, and then you've got to surround them. Um, but you look at you look at teams. Jeremiah, you, you, when you were talking, you, you made me have an epiphany here. And I'm like, you know, maybe what he's saying is exactly right. This is a roster that's being constructed to get Armando Baycott what he should get. And that's right. a championship for him, but also a showcase for Baycott. And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, you don't have a guy that's going to get you 20 on one-on-one on the roster. They, there's guys that can hit shots and get to there. But it is all geared. It seems to be geared to get Baycott what he had last year, or year before last, when Manic was there. And so it's going to be something to watch. I, I still think as a team, you got to have somebody. And we saw it this year with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. They just could not do it. you got to have somebody to get you a bucket. Sure. Yeah. you got to have somebody that can go get a bucket. I don't know who's on that team, this team right now, other than RJ, and this includes the portal transfers, that you can say, give me a bucket right now. I had that yeah. thought the yeah. other day driving the car. Who takes the last shot? Exactly. Who, yeah. who takes the last shot, John, on this team right now? RJ you, Davis. You got to draw RJ Davis? Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's any question that it's RJ, but how many times did RJ get wrapped up by somebody? Um, that's five or six inches taller than he was, yeah. and he couldn't get a shot off. That's where mm-hmm. your kicks come. That's where you got to have shooters. For sure. um, and that's where I think Hubert has addressed that in the portal. I just think they need a bucket getter. A lot of people always say, I'm the one that always wants dogs on the team. Yeah, yeah, I love those type guys. But you got to have a bucket. And if, if I need a bucket, like Ty Lawson in nine or eight Oof. or seven, we need a bucket, go get me one. And they'd all invariably get a layup. Go back and watch Ty Lawson at Duke, where he just absolutely destroyed the entire team. Got a bucket every time they needed it. Second half. That's yep. what you got to have. Anything yeah. left, boys, on the basketball side? Jeremiah, you got anything left? I mean, honestly, RJ, if you want to take the last shot, you could do what Trey Young did yesterday and just do the <laughs> step back three from 30 feet out. Uh, I will say uh, one more thing I was kind of considering when I made my depth chart. And again, this was literally just my, you know, predictions and you know just things I was thinking about I was thinking about what if I'm just throwing this out there what if you brought Corman Cormac Ryan off the bench as a six man so that way when you have a bench that has less quote-unquote bucket get I'm not saying he's a bona fide you know 20 a night but what if you have him he can create his own shot a little bit put him maybe in a second unit you know, kind of, you know, when the second unit kind of comes, you know, get allowed for some scoring to kind of be there. Um, not because he's not one of the five best players on the team, but just, you know, to allow for, you know, a chance to uh, get some bench scoring. Is that something you probably consider? Um, so that's what I put in there. You know, something I'm just, you know, pretty much throwing out at this point, but I can see it. It's, I, a, worthwhile uh... thought. it's a worthwhile thought, Jeremiah. But the problem is, I think with Hubert, unless he changes, you know, he doesn't bring these guys in out of the portal to bring them off the bench. Yeah. Um, running four guys though. R- right. Well, I'm just saying mm-hmm. like, right. It's a good thought, you know, yeah. it's, it could, it's a productive thought, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I'm not saying Hubert's right. I'm just saying that, um, 
you know, he, I mean, he had to bring Brady Manic off the bench two seasons mm-hmm. ago because he decided he was going to start Darson, Dawson Garcia. I mean, he was not going to not start him. Yeah. Uh, and then Garcia got the concussion and Brady started playing better and you saw what happened. All of a sudden, Dawson Garcia had to go home. Um, which Went I'm not trying to make of his situation there in Minnesota, but, you know, yeah. come on. But he um, went to the bench, and then he went to the house. Yeah, he went to the bench, uh, and they played Wake on a Saturday, got destroyed, yeah. and then he was gone by Monday when they played Virginia Tech or BC at home. It was one maroon-colored team. I think it was yeah, – Cameron. might have been Virginia Tech. Well, um, the issue is, is if you play t- seven guys or eight guys 25 minutes a game – you know, or 20 minutes a game, you can play a ton of guys and you can run them in and you can run absolutely. Teams and you can have Cormac Ryan as, as your leader of the second unit. That's that's an absolutely worthwhile fault. Um, that'll be the number one thing I watch uh, the UNC basketball office. I mean, yeah, if if I will be shocked, we, we can have 10 burning questions in the offseason. <laughs> We've talked about the bench for two years. I understand it last year, or, or excuse me, in the run. I don't really understand it last year. But, and to Arn Shovel's point, if, if Hubert has options that he trusts and he plays, there's tons of options. There, there are tons of ways that this can be done. But y- y'all are right. Guys don't transfer to sit on the bench. They just don't. Uh, you know, they, they could have gone anywhere else. I think Cormac Ryan will be a guy that's going to be very important for this team, not only in his play, but the leadership. And he's he and even Paxson Wojcik will get up in you and and have some things to say to you. So I think I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't think they're done, though. I, I agree with you. Jalen Washington, you know. too. I mean, yeah. It's like, you know, he's almost – I almost feel – when I think about the basketball team, I almost feel myself forgetting about Jalen Washington because I feel like Jason – Jalen Washington needs to make a big jump uh, and can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like, I mean, maybe you could have a lineup. I'm not saying they will or they should. Maybe you could have a lineup where you trust Armando and Jalen on the floor together. I mean, you have the mm-hmm. twin tower type look um, or the two traditional bigs like Roy would like to play back in the day. Um, you know, that's going to be a question about Jalen Washington's conditioning, uh, who he can guard, you know, that type of thing. But – I mean, he's one of the more talented players on that roster, I think, or one of the ones with a lot of potential if he is, if his body is where it needs to be and if he's improving. I mean, um, you know, think about the guys that have come back before and you've been like, wow, he had a great summer. Um, but as our, as our friend Missy Jones says in the comments, I think you, I think you need a big year from, from Jalen Washington. He seems like he's sort of one that's easy to forget because we've gotten conditioned to thinking about Armando is the big, Mm-hmm. And then all the pieces that play around him to space mm-hmm. the floor. And then again, all these guys play 35 minutes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it probably should and, and will be different next year. And he's another reason why it should and will be different. I think it has to be. It, right. it has to be. Because if you get three years of the same stuff, then you better figure out how to have five NBA All-Stars starting. Um, because nobody's going to want to come and not mm-hmm. be in that starting lineup, and, and especially in the portal area era. I'm going to take a break from basketball, unless anybody objects. John, do you have any weird stat or anything? John, I must say, <laughs> since I learned the news of your um, betterment in life, you look much happier and much you're glowing, man. 
thank you. Maybe it's because I changed the light bulb out. In <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> seriously, good luck to you, my man. Uh, Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com sponsor the program. Sponsors of Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. We've been talking about Sherelle McMillan a lot. And hat tip to Sherelle and the rest of the Coast to Coast crew. Yes. Premium yeah. stuff. You get on there and you can see premium stuff that Sherelle knocks out all the time. Same with Don Callahan. Did a show with him earlier. Um, I don't see Preston from Greensboro in here. But Preston, I changed clothes before this show. So I didn't have the same clothes on two straight podcasts. Um, function of being old and retired. But Don Callahan, the football recruiting stuff, always all over it. So take time to join Inside Carolina if you haven't already. There's never a time not to because, good gracious, you might get a text about something you had no idea about otherwise with some breaking news if you were part of Inside Carolina and the premium subscription. Let the national guys pay the bills. It's on the beat live. A little after halfway through, we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, fellas, 938 on the East Coast. Let's turn to football. Title of the show is Transfer Portal, still churning. Certainly still is in basketball. Adam, you mentioned it earlier. I will say this. I heard that Conley was leaving well before it became public. And from a father, from a, you know, somebody that watches sports, that kind of stunk to hear, not necessarily on the football side, but you're injured. Um, you know, obviously he had some troubles dealing with the injury and what all that brings for a young person. But anyway, he enters the transfer portal. And then all of a sudden, Don Chapman says, I'm coming back. Is it related, do you think? Or is it just the nature of the beast here in 2023 in April? Where's the uh, the Brian Windhorse meme? What does it all mean? Or what you know the classic? What he did? What was it last summer or something? The jazz tree. Yeah. Why would they do that, Tommy? <laughs> Tommy, first of all, let's get one thing straight. What would you like your uh, official source nickname to be? What back in Watergate there was Deep Throat. I mean, not that. I did not know. You know, I got a call. Uh, on Saturday and was told that they'd, we'd heard about this Jaquarius Conley news. I had no idea that you were the deep throat behind this source, TA. <laughs> so we should all give you your uh, kudos for that. Uh, I was writing this, you know, I'm writing a thousand word story, I think it turned out to be, a uh, 900 word story. And Tommy Ashley was the, uh, the driving force behind it. Um, I know nothing, man. 
I know nothing. No, I don't want credit. No. Just like, what is it? The, the puppeteer behind the scenes there? I just, yeah. I just, I'm all about the team. I just want to we make need the insider, team insider Tommy Ashley there. Instead of, uh, <laughs> I need, I need my blue check. Tommy that I don't pay for. Ashley says, "My guy." <laughs> yeah, that's what somebody says. Yeah. No, Why I mean not? you just you just get to know people, and um, you know you find out things. But you know, best of luck for him. All yes. Right. I he he's got he's got to do it. Kids want to play. I don't and, I don't mean to don't make play. light of Jaquarius Conley at all because I love the no. guy. You know yeah. I loved watching him play when he was a younger player. You know I tried to convey in that story. I mean think about 2020, which obviously was such a weird year. You know there's nobody in these stadiums, but man, he came on at the end of the year. You know I, I know everyone always remembers Javante Williams and Michael Carter and the way they just absolutely destroyed Miami. In that regular season, but Jaquarius Conley was all over the field making plays that day. As a and true, probably player. the biggest play of the game right out of the gate. I uh, mean, that, that forced them to. I think they forced them to punt early, and then the floodgates open. And you want to talk about a guy who just looked incredible? I mean, my God, this dude! If I was built like Jaquarius Conley, I would never wear a shirt. You would never. <laughs> it would be so many. I'd find so many reasons just to be taking my shirt off. Like, oh, she's, you know, just, I mean, the guy's just jacked. Um, and so, obviously, a tremendous fan favorite with the, the UNC fan base, and for good reason, because of what a promising, young, freak athlete he would hit you, you know. there's a There was a photo uh, that I always remember with Jaquarius Conley from the 2021 season, and Carolina played UVA at home early. I think it was a September night in Keenan, and – uh, Jaquarius had an interception that day, and, and I think it was a USA Today photographer got it, and he is—he got him at the top of his jump with his photo. He looks like he is 12 feet in the air from the way the photo is shot, and he's flying, and it's like Don Tavian Wicks or somebody from UVA looking up at him like just helpless, you know? It's unbelievable. But then you had that that extremely athletic package and and the incredibly unfortunate knee injury, it just derailed everything. And, you know, he's been very open about his, you know, struggles with his mental health and uh, getting past that. And I can't imagine being that type, being so good at something like that and then having it taken away and questioning with, when you plant, if it's going to be there. You know what I mean? So um, I will be fascinated to find out where he goes. It sounded like the uh, some ACC schools were already reaching out to him and, Definitely do. I was getting some jokes off at, at Tommy, um, but uh, it would I definitely do wish him well. He was always great with us, uh, dealing with us, and uh, I hope it I hope it works out well for JQ. Yeah, this transfer feels different than a lot of the other transfers. I think that to me there was a triumvirate coming out of those three games at the end of the 2020 season and in, in the Orange Bowl. You had young cornerback Tony Grimes who flashed in some of those games you had young wide receiver josh downs who looked like the next great wide receiver at unc and you had jq conley at safety those three guys i think represented a lot of mac brown 2.0 they were all a part of the class of 2020 recruiting class and now all three of them are gone moved on to other uh, greener pastures in fact i looked at this earlier today because i was curious only three of the top 10 recruits in that class of 2020 are still mm -hmm. here. Desmond Evans, Miles Murphy, and Kendrick Bigley-Jones are the only three who are still left on the roster. 
And class of 2020, that, that wasn't that long ago. That was Mac Brown's first full recruiting class. Obviously, he was part of the class of 2019 where he picked up Sam Howell, but he had so much recruiting momentum. And now here we are in 2023, and it feels like a lot of the air has been let out of the balloon of that recruiting class. So that's why, to me, this does really feel like a different transfer because of everything JQ represented. I think also he represented in-state recruiting for North Carolina, much like Coney Grimes represented how well UNC recruited in the state of Virginia. JQ was a top recruit in this state, you know, maybe put in Desmond Evans and, and Miles Murphy in there as well, but it was part of, you know, retaking the state and getting these mm-hmm. elite kids to come and play for UNC. And now that's sort of the narrative's gone a little bit, I think, without JQ on the roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick to, uh, I guess, answer a question that was asked. Yes, I have heard of Watergate. I did take a push in high school. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think everything that John just said uh, was very beautifully put. I think it really just represents a greater, and we've probably talked about it like ad nauseum, I guess, at this point. But yeah, I mean, it does represent the greater reality of, you know, what the transfer portal is of, you know, your team can look like this one year or maybe for a little bit and then just immediately change. Somebody asked me, uh, I think a few days ago or a few weeks ago, you know, toward the beginning of when I got hired and they were like, you know, because so UNC, and I'm going to um, bring up basketball only for this reason. I think their runs, their runs to the championship was my um, senior year. And somebody asked me, how does it feel that only I think two of the players on that team are still there? And I've, it took me a second. I was thinking, wow, like, you know, there wouldn't have been that dramatic of a change. And that's even just a smaller scale of basketball. But even with football, I mean, even you Colorado, and that's a different situation, but I saw Colorado had 40 <laughs> plus players leave. And Dion leaves even, you know, asking them to leave. And that's probably a different conversation. Yep. Um, but that's that's the game now. You know, you can bring in these really good recruiting classes that don't stay the whole four to five years. Uh, you know, in a, in a football sense. So I think another thing that it kind of makes you think about is now you have to be good at both stages. Like you can't really look at the transfer portal and be like, oh, this is, you know, this new fad and people are doing this, people are doing that. You really, if you're a coaching staff, you have to embrace the transfer portal. Like you have to go into every season saying, I don't know who's staying. I don't know who's leaving. You know, it, I could lose. 20 to 30 players, I have to be ready to pick up 20 to 30 players every year just from like other schools. Um, so I think it's something that, you know, is is very present now and people just, you know, really have to accept it. And, you know, classes like the 2020 class, that can happen. That can happen any year. It's interesting um, about the portal. And I'm not sure what Dion's going to end up doing at Colorado, but I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think they got 22 guys on that roster from last season. I don't think it's sustainable – but the thing Didn't is, they lose now, like over thirty guys in the portal. But he told 40, I think forty-two, right. and he asked a lot of them to leave. Yeah, he yeah, ran I mean, them he all. Said he was now, bringing but, Louis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now you've got guys from Jackson State that transferred with him that won't out. And supposedly he's telling them to leave. It's crazy. It's a mess. But I say all that to say this: I'm gonna watch. That's exactly right, what they no want doubt. to do. I'm gonna pay attention to what's going on in Boulder, Colorado, but. To Jeremiah's point, what we're talking about, I don't know if it's program building anymore. I don't know if that's the thing. Now, maybe it'll all settle out and Mac believes it'll all settle down and all, and maybe it will. But now it's roster management and 
putting puzzle pieces to a puzzle together year for year and not building the puzzle for the following year or the year after that, because I don't know how much you can do that. And there's a ton of questions and we're going to get to them, but you know, to your point about the 2020 recruiting class, and there's several of them that are still there down the list, but man, those are supposed to be the best players of your team at this time. Yep. You know, they're supposed to be the juniors and seniors that, that lead these teams and everybody does it. It's going to be that thing forever. Um, but I just think it's changed the game. I just don't know if program building and player development matters as much. That maybe is a deeper conversation for a later time. But anyway, I'll go. I'll, I'll go that. one step further on that, Tommy. That that whole thesis was such a big part of Mac Brown 2.0. I mean, we know that he is a kind of CEO type coach, and he's all about recruiting and building a fence, keeping the in-state talent in. But unfortunately, just for factors outside of his control, in the Mac Brown 2.0 era, the COVID year really mm-hmm. threw everything off because it made all of these teams one year older and it gave extra eligibility to all these players. So all of a sudden, if you stack up these recruiting classes, you're going to be playing against 24-year-olds. So that kind of undercut that. And then the transfer portal also undercut your ability to really recruit. So that's one thing I've been reflecting on as well. It's sort of this Mac Brown 2.0 era was a little bit mistimed in that way because if he comes back in a different era a few years earlier maybe, I think that the impact of all these recruiting classes would have been a lot greater. So that's a little bit of a, a galaxy brain take. I have my reckless speculation segment, and this is my galaxy brain take. But I've been thinking about that a little bit as well. Adam, do you have a reflection before we jump into some rapid fire? I mean, you're just out of control, first of all, John. Um, I thought it was a fabulous, fabulous take. Yeah, I think it's great. We need more from you, John. We need more. I mean, we miss Ross, of course, but, you know, I think there's a space now for your your personality to grow. So just get loose with it, Johnny. Yeah, man, you're glowing. Glowing Johnny. It was John B. um, You know, I was thinking about when Des Evans, I hate to even say this, you know, because it's April. And we'll be talking about this. <laughs> you know how many sacks Des Evans has for his UNC career in three seasons? He has one. Um, and much Damn. like JQ Conley, I mean, I would the last person I would ever want to make mad at me is Des Evans. I mean, well, he's still in Chapel Hill and he listens to this. Des, that guy, not this ball guy, that guy. He is. <laughs> I mean, he is a monster. <laughs> I was walking. He was he was parked near me the other day, and I was just you know like talking to him a little bit. So you know, Des, love you obviously, um, but um, one sack, three years. Anyway, I was thinking about that one because it's you're right. This, this now now's the time when your five stars and four stars really start to show up from a couple of recruiting classes ago. I think that's the you know with like a Zach Rice, people want him to be ready now. When you know you think about. The offense. I don't know when he's going to be ready. By the way, you think about the offensive line, the defensive line requiring some time for people to get older and bigger and stronger to mature. Um, you know, people want it quickly, and and when you have those recruiting wins that Mac had when he first got here, that's why we were writing the stories that the magic is back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you want you want it to show up, and it needs to show up when you have those recruiting wins. I have uh, some questions here prepared. We're going to do a rapid-fire segment real quick. So you three, all of you be ready. I'm going to hit you with a few of these questions. We're going to start off with you, Tommy. This is from Alan. 
Has UNC dodged a bullet with George Petaway not leaving yet? Uh, you know, dodged a bullet, you know. They've got a stable of running backs there. Petaway's one of them. He's got to be healthy. He, he needs to perform. I think he'll be there this fall um, and have an opportunity. One thing the coaching staff has to do is give him opportunities to succeed. It's tough to throw a football player in for one play and expect them to get going. Um, but they've got a lot of guys out there. And when you have a running back room or any room where there's six or seven guys that can play and you're the one that's injured, then you're not going to play and you're going to get behind. So I think Petaway is a big part of this offense. I think there is much value in his skill set in Chip Lindsey's offense. I really believe that. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, so he's there at the moment and, and – fully anticipate him to be there in the fall, but hey, portal world, who knows? And shout out, this is water in my blue cup. Blue cup water, somebody asked. Great one, photo from Alan Minton too, by the way. You look great, guy. Excellent choice for your profile pic. This one is from MGM DDS. This is for Adam. Will William Barnes be serviceable at left tackle? What do you think, Adam? <sighs> two minutes. You got two minutes. No. I mean – I mean, that's a great question, MGM DDS, whoever you are. Um, the dentist, I would assume. Yeah, I, would, I would think so, too. <laughs> uh, my son was at the orthodontist today. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's why that Mac, when he didn't have to, I think that's, that's one of the reasons Mac said after the spring game, we're always looking for offensive linemen and quarterbacks. You know, um, I mean, he didn't say William Barnes' name, uh, but – you know, I just think that that's obviously such an important position, your left tackle. Um, and, you know, serviceable, I can – I mean, I can say to answer the questions, sure, I think he could be serviceable, especially when Drake May is your quarterback because, um, you know, he can he can get out of some jams and, and make you not look as bad as some things might be. I think that was, all, that was always an interesting thing to me that talking to some people around the program when – uh, we're sort of going from the Sam Howell era to would it be Drake May or Jacoby Criswell? And I had two different people who would know what they're talking about say, you know, if it looks like if it ends up being Drake May, I think we're going to have a lot fewer sacks this year. Do you remember sacks were an issue uh, with Sam as good as he was? I think they, I think the inference there was he held the ball sometimes a little too long. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I think serviceable, yes, but I think you want your left tackle to be more than serviceable. Um, so I think that's, I think that's going to be an area we're watching all preseason and early in the season to see how he's holding up. What is it's a move from right guard to the opposite side of the line to left tackle for William Barnes. We'll see what he's got. This one is for Jeremiah. Will Drake May lead UNC to a conference championship? Do you think conference championship, is that the ceiling for this team next year? Is it the ceiling? You have to say it's the ceiling, but this is the thing. And I was telling, I was talking to somebody about this a little bit ago. I honestly think the team maybe got a little bit, I don't know if it got like, you know, exceptionally better off of last year, but it certainly did add some pieces that need to add. But the thing is, I'm looking at the schedule. I feel like the schedule's a little bit more difficult. Uh, you know, I feel like there are more rigorous opponents um, probably to close the season. I, I think starting it with South Carolina is going to be difficult because that could very well end up being, I mean, in Charlotte, that's a short drive for, uh, you know, 
Columbia Gamecock fans, uh, as someone that did live in Columbia, yes, I know. Uh, but I mean, seriously, like, so I, I think it's it's going to be, you know, more difficult to win it this year than it probably was last year. Um, you know, will he, uh, you know, I'm not trying to dance around the question, uh, you know, at all, but um, I do think that uh, it's possible because of his, you know, yes, because of his arm talent. Um, but I, I don't think it'll just be because of Drake and May. I think they do still need to figure out precisely what they're going to do at running back. I think they need to decide who's the guy, you know, who's going to be probably, you know, the workhorse, you know, because it sounds like that's what they want to do. So who is that going to be? Who are we going to go to? Um, and can they be productive in the past game too? Like, can we get them uh, to catch – you know, passes out of the backfield, things like that. Um, so, you know, it's di- it's difficult when it's football because, you know, you have to also factor in the other side of the ball. I mean, we're talking about this offense averaged 34 a game last year, but the defense, you know, obviously gives up, you know, what they give up. And so so those things are, are all things that I'm, I'm kind of thinking about. Um, do I think that's a reasonable ceiling? Yes. I, I just think it'll be more difficult this year than it was last year. This one's for Tommy. We'll do one more rapid fire round here. Tommy, do you think there'll be any more UNC football players to hit the portal before it closes? When's it close, Adam? The thirtieth. Yeah. So yeah, April thirtieth. What's today? Wednesday. So what's that? Sunday. 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 I think it goes to eleven fifty-nine. I mean, how do you enforce it? I don't know. <laughs> I think it goes to midnight Sunday. Or I would say. I would say yes. Who I do not know, but I would say yes. That that is a reasonable assumption that there will be another name into the portal. More importantly for me, watching um, to see who comes from North Carolina to North Carolina over the summer, not named Antavis Lane from Georgia State. I think that's that's something to watch. Somebody else in the chat asked, you know, is is the quarterback comment? Um, you know, that Mac made when he was talking about offensive line and quarterbacks, is that to light a fire under Connor Harrell? Yeah, I don't, and I'm stealing it from you guys. I I just don't, I don't think you can get a quarterback out of the portal that's going to be on the bench. You know, I I just don't, quarterbacks are different and that'll be interesting to watch. But anyway, um, either y'all got a a comment on that. I know, Adam, we talked about it a couple weeks ago or last week, I guess, with Jeremiah was here as well, but I just don't – I don't see that as reasonable, but I could I mean, unless – shout out Ansel Gamble, by the way, one of, my Meb, one of Mebbin's own. Uh, we're still out here getting cuter, I think. I don't know. Uh, Mebbin? Speed hey, trap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I certainly – Mac and uh, – I about said Phil Longo. Phil Longo and Chip Lindsay and these guys know how to recruit better than I do. But is there any way, do you guys think, that you could talk to a quarterback in the portal and say, look, once you come in, you know, transfer to UNC this year, you're going to be behind Drake May, uh, who could win the Heisman, who's, who's, this is his last year in college. He's going to be a top five, top 10 NFL draft pick. You know, we'll put you behind him. You're going to compete with Connor Harrell for the starting job in 2024. Could, is, is that a way you could convince, I don't know, a developmental quarterback to come in and, and, and to, to try to come out of the portal and not, I don't know, go to some lower level school or go to some other school that's got 
a need for a starting quarterback. I don't know. I just, it, as, as I said, as we said the other day, I guess it was last week, that I just don't think that the starting quarterback for 2024 at UNC right now is on the roster. Now, I could be dead wrong about that. But um, – and I don't, I don't think that the coaches think that either. I think that's one reason you heard that from, from Mac the other day. Um, I think their plan all along was, look, you got a generational player in Drake May. You're fine there for 2023. But um, I think their plan all along is to see what they got with Connor Harrell and Tad Hudson. I'm not sure what they think of Tad Hudson. The guy's supposed to still be in high school right now. Um, and then try to go get a guy out of the portal, I think, after next season in, next December, you know, when it'll get real wild and woolly like it did this past December. Um, so I don't know. You know, Mac, Mac said Connor Harrell is, has earned the right to be the backup quarterback. But other than that, I don't feel like they've shown a tremendous amount of confidence in him. Um, but that's just my sense. That's my sense of the thing. Max said it in one of our pressers that, uh, you know, leading up to the Holiday Bowl, that they were they were disappointed in the way he practiced. Connor Harrell, I'm saying. Um, because Chriswell was gone then. He, you know, Chriswell got in the portal hours after the ACC championship game ended. I mean, I think he was in the – that was a Saturday night, and I think he was in the portal Sunday morning at like 9 a.m. Um, or something like that. So – I think that's definitely something to monitor. And and I think Slagle said, no, you can't do that. I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know if you can do that. If you can sell a guy on coming in and sitting for a year, um, sure. maybe that's just wishful thinking. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't believe sorry. you can. No, go ahead, Jeremiah. I just yeah. don't think that's that's feasible to think that's possible. I just think it's a, it's a tough sell only because, you know, you're pretty much going to get the situation you got this year where whoever loses out for the starting job automatically gets in the portal. So it's like, you know, in theory, you know, would you want to be able to bring in somebody to try and compete for a job? Maybe, but the thing about it is, say Connor Hill beats out whoever you bring in, then that same guy goes back into the portal. Does someone want to run that risk? That's that's part of what I think. Does somebody want to compete for a job that they're not guaranteed for, then, you know, pretty much have to jump in the portal again? And then if you do bring in a guy, does that make Connor Harrell kind of say, What's my value? Do I want to stay here? I think it's just so interesting. I think the the portal does afford you the opportunity to at least shop around. I mean, because all these teams, or a lot of these teams, I should say, do have quarterback battles. Let's say somebody, let's say a team in the SEC has, you know, a quarterback battle going on right now, and the quote-unquote loser of that hits the portal. Well, I mean, you have a, for all intents and purposes, you do have an SEC quarterback in the portal, do you want to look at that to, you know, kind of be the successor to Drake May? I mean, it's, some, it's something you just at least have to be looking out for, you know. So, um, and you do, I think the advantage that you get from a transfer portal quarterback over a, a high school quarterback, you do get somebody that has college football experience, whether that even, even if that's just in practice, even that's if that's just going, but you're still in practice going against these D1 athletes. So that's something that you do get. I think you probably have a higher ceiling guy out of a high school, but, you know, at least with, you know, uh, with a, with a transfer portal quarterback, you know, you can at least kind of look at that and say, Hey, if we need to use you for a year, that's fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think the overall point is it would be difficult to 
sell, you know, a quarterback competition to a guy because really all you could do if you lose that battle is wait around for the guy to get hurt or wait to the end of the season to jump in the portal. That's really your only uh, your only two options. So uh, it'd be a tough sell. I'm interested to see who would be the first team to successfully pull that off uh, <laughs> or, you know, to, to really sell a guy on that. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see there. Texas has an interesting quarterback battle. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, th- that is a, that, that's one of those things where hmm, you never know. A lot of people are in the chat talking about how quarterback portal shopping is much more, um, much better in December. So those will be things mm-hmm. to watch. We'll see what happens. Adam, I might, I might bet you on that, on the, you don't think the 24 quarterbacks on the roster. I might get some of that action at some point. Okay, let's, um, let me, let's let's put a pin in it and let me uh, let me get into fall camp and then then we might go at that. Anyway, it's about time to get I, out of here. John, you had one more. First of all, Tommy, I love it. Arch Manning to UNC says Tommy Ashley. Wait, wait, wait! Okay, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm checking my hearing aid. I have one. This is a little bit of fun hazing here for Jeremiah. Last rapid fire question of the night, Jeremiah. Oh, okay. In the 2023 season, how many sacks? Is Desmond Evan going to get oh, I need it on the record right now? What's your take? On the record right now, 2023. Um, fifth on it, Jeremiah. I'm going to assume that. Pick it, if, pick it. Don't assume, though. Well, no, let me finish. I'm going to assume <laughs> that Desmond Evans is either currently watching or will go back and watch this and hear <laughs> that he only had the one sack. So I think that might be something that I must, I must say Desmond Evans gets, I'm going to say, I'm going to say five seconds. I'm going to say five. All right. That's a reasonable answer. I was hoping yeah. you wouldn't say double digits. That's all. No, no, no. I'm going to say five. We got to ease into it. <laughs> For the record, Gregory had 10. Yeah. I said, you're insane. I took the under. <laughs> um, and if I recall correctly, Gregory hadn't repaid him, but I will see Gregory in LA uh, next month. So I might have to collect or mm. the Vander Holyfield commercial. You know, ESPN commercial, one of the great ones. Come in and get your whooping. Yeah, come on out. Come on out and get your whooping. Come on and get your whooping, Charlie. Let's uh, let's get out of here. This has been – one other thing I wanted to mention on the quarterback deal is Drake May is going to be the quarterback this year, but Chip Lindsey's the new offensive coordinator. We got to make sure, if you're North Carolina, that quarterbacks want to come and play for Chip Lindsey. Yeah, well, doesn't he have to get his quarterback too? You got to have that. That has to be the right marriage, right? Like, I mean, um, so you got if Drake May has a terrible season, it's going to be seen as, oh, it's because Longo went to Wisconsin and Lindsey, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of moving parts there. So I'm not 100% sure. Um, Yeah, I might get in on some of the action, but great discussion on on the beat live. Look, it was better than I thought it would be um, because (laughs) we're all tired. We've all been awake too terribly long. And once again, these guys turn in top-notch efforts. There is no off-season at Inside Carolina. But that will be – or this will be the last regularly scheduled <laughs> – note the word – on the beat live. Jeremiah Holloway, Adam Smith, John Bowman, Johnny T-Shirt, and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We'll get back together at some point. We'll get the band back together. Stay tuned for all summer stuff from Jason Staples and myself, myself and Taylor Vipolis. If you haven't listened to the Anson Dorrance Next Level with Greg Barnes and I, please go listen to that. That needs to be must-listen TV or YouTube for any Carolina fan or any sports fan. 
um, check it out. Check out the coast to coast, all the rest of the stuff. It's been fun, guys. On the beats out until late July, early August. We'll see you then, guys. Everybody here, be safe. Thanks, John. <laughs>